you know, I think that's something that's ingrained in us also as children, you know, doing things the right way, learning how to do things the right way. Um, yeah, I think that's important, but I think it's also important for us to learn things on our own. You know, if someone's constantly showing us how to do something, then we don't really ever figure out what's right for us. We just figure out what's right for them. Welcome to Perennials, a podcast about growing up, getting wise, and trying to live a good life. I'm Victoria Russell. Today, I'm sharing a conversation with Marina Carrera, who I had on the podcast back in 2018 for episode five. Marina is a poet and a visual artist, and we had a conversation about creativity during the pandemic, during stay-at-home orders. We recorded this conversation on May 25th. So that day, I woke up in the morning, and the first thing I saw was a video of Amy Cooper, a white woman who called the police on Christian Cooper, a black man and bird watcher who had asked her to leash her dog. And on May 25th, George Floyd, an unarmed black man, was killed by a police officer while several others watched for almost nine minutes. So it's been a little over a month since Marina and I talked that day, and it feels now like it's been a year or something. And I was wondering, does it still make sense to share this episode now, this conversation now? Because it feels like so much has happened and so much has changed. Like, is it is the way that we're talking about things still relevant, you know? And then I listened back to the conversation and I was like, yes, of course it's still relevant because as much as some things have changed, like so much actually hasn't. (laughs) Our attention span is so short, we can forget so easily um, things that we swore we were going to do differently. And so I actually think it's a really good time to think about where we were on May 25th. Because what Marina and I are talking about nothing that we were talking about is over. You know, it's almost July here in New Jersey and people are really acting as if the pandemic is over, not wearing masks, not physically distancing. And meanwhile, in other states, the cases are surging and, you know, that could happen again here. This reckoning with race and calls for justice We've had reckonings like this before. This is not the first, and it's not the last. It's a privilege to forget. And I don't say that to shame people for being humans who get overwhelmed and exhausted. Because that's real too. You know? But that's why I think that the conversation that Marina and I had about creativity and rest, which was an important thing we talked about, is helpful right now because we talked about how creativity is like the opposite of being on autopilot, which is like what's comfortable and what we do when we're burnt out and exhausted. But tending to our creative selves can really help us to imagine new ways of being, imagine different possibilities for our own lives and the world and resting is what we need to keep those fires going within us about injustice, to keep a healthy vigilance during this pandemic. 
If you are looking for some inspiration, I highly recommend that you follow Marina on Instagram at Save the Bathwater. You will learn about social justice and you will see some beautiful art that she's created, like some collages. She's been selling prints and they're beautiful. I highly recommend that you go follow Marina. I also want you to know if you're having a hard time, you're not alone, even if it seems like a lot of people around you are totally fine now. You're not alone. You're not the only one who's still struggling. And if you ever want to reach out to me, you can write to me at perennialspodcast at gmail.com or message me on Instagram at perennialspodcast. I genuinely hope you're well. I hope you're taking care of yourself and I'm sending you love. Marina, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to talk to you again. I know. I'm so glad to have you on again. I can't believe how long it's actually been. That was, I think was 2018. So do you it's want, been a while. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And forget regular years. Now we got to add Corona, which is <laughs> like true. every month is a year. <laughs> it's so so true. it's technically been what, like six years? It's been, I think, eight. Yeah. Um, Shit. It's been a long time. Yes, <laughs> I feel, I constantly feel like that that Titanic meme of old Rose when she's like, "It's been eighty four years." I feel like that every I know. morning. <laughs> you know, sometimes like when I'm really trusting the universe, I'm like, I feel like that movie was made specifically for that me that's made specifically for this time. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just like, "Holy shit, I've been in the house too long." Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's it's fun. Um, and I'm I'm really excited to talk about creativity. And I actually wanted to start with a question. I'm just really curious about this, about whether you've always considered yourself a creative person or have there been times in your life when you never would have used that word? Um, what, what has your relationship been to that word up until now? It's funny because creative is not a word that really became synonymous with artist or writer or dancer, someone that, um, you know, performs in the arts until I think for me the past five years or so. To me, creative was always a a verb, right? Um, it, it was always being creative. Like, and, you know, I would draw as a kid, um, but I never thought I was any good at it. And I certainly did collages, but again, it was, it was not because art wasn't part of my household and my upbringing. I never thought any of the stuff I produced was real and poetry even less. I just, you know, I just wanted to be, I thought I was an angsty teen who liked to, you know, write weird, bad love poetry. So no, it's taken me a long time to sort of own uh, being a creative as like the center of my being. Um, But now I own it and I almost am just like, Oh, like I suffer because of this, but um, you know that's that's just being extra melodramatic for quarantine. Brene Brown talks a lot about how like everybody is creative. It's just that not right. everybody realizes it necessarily or feels free to do something with it. And she talks a lot about how people who don't have a creative outlet usually had some shaming experience early on Mm. like oftentimes in school like a teacher told them that their drawing wasn't good or something and they just like shut it down um oh yeah and so it's just like really interesting and also some people I think their version of creativity like I think 
visual art and poetry, it's really easy to identify as, oh, that's creative. But something that I think is cool about this time right now is that I've been thinking about how creativity is everywhere and just, I mean, this isn't earth shattering news, like people know this, but you know, you can be creative in so many different ways. It doesn't always look like explicitly, you know, art or visual art or, you know, things like that. Absolutely. I think every Pinterest mom is an artist now, you know? Um, and, and, and I say that only half mockingly, to be honest with you, because I think it's wonderful that people are owning their shit, right. That they are owning sort of the things that they're good at. Um, my best friend, uh, she's both, both my best friends, actually, they're really good at crafts and like putting shit together, like crafty shit. And, um, I'm sorry, I'm going to try not to curse too much. Um, No, it's okay. I'll just mark it explicit. That's fine. Okay. Ooh, yes. I've gone past that, you know, I've gone past that. Okay, good. Okay, good. Uh, I'll still, I'll just still, you know, try to temper myself. But my, both of my best friends are, they, they would never consider themselves artists um, or even creatives. But I tell them all the time that they're so creative because like they can like make a really cool, you know, candle arrangement or like decorations or invitations. And whereas like they scoff at that and they're like, oh, that's not real creative. You know, that's just me like making, you know, decorations for my kid's birthday. And I'm like, no, but that's still creating. That's still art. So, you know, I do like that people are embracing, you know, and, you know, I, I hear all the time, oh, I have a, you know, everyone's a photographer now that they have the new iPhone. And at first I left because I was like, yeah, that's true. And then I'm like, well, why can't everybody be a photographer? Like, why can that, (laughs) why is that only something some people can own? So I like that. I feel like art feels more accessible. I feel like I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm team. Everyone is creative in their own way. Um, Even though, you know, their cup of tea is not my cup of tea. I still respect that. You know, that's, that's their cup of tea. Um, and, and it's funny that you mentioned, you know, in the beginning that uh, we, you know, we didn't necessarily ever want to claim artists um, or, or whatever we are now in, in our younger years because it wasn't sort of encouraged. But like I didn't like I went to I went to Montclair. I did my undergrad in Montclair in English um, lit. And like I when I first started out, I had to attach the teacher certification part to it because my parents were like, what do you do an English degree? What are you going to do with that? You, that? No, you need to, you're going to be a teacher. Right. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a teacher. You know, I, I just said that kind of, cause I was like, I guess I got to say something. Right. Cause artist was not a valid form of employment. So yeah. Like had I known or had I had parents that believed art was, you know, like, a, and it had pushed arts as, 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 as me being a kid or when I was a kid, I think I would have majored probably in fine arts or I would have majored in, in the cre- in, you know, in the writing option of English and not like the teacher sir option. So, mm. yeah, I feel, I feel like there is some sort of, uh, you know, current um, of people owning their creativity and, and calling themselves what they really are, you know, and that's artists or creatives or whatever. Yeah. And I, I feel like during this time, people have had to get so creative in so many ways mm. that you wouldn't, again, wouldn't think of as being explicitly creative necessarily. But like when all of a sudden the world as you know it isn't functioning the way you know it to function, you have to get creative literally about how you live your daily life. Absolutely. Like I found myself getting so much more creative about cooking and, 
using the ingredients I had in my pantry and figuring out what to do with leftovers because, you know, I didn't want to go into the grocery store or like they didn't have things that I needed. So like, it's so interesting how all of a sudden I was like, I went from getting takeout so frequently to like making every single meal every day and figuring out what to do with like the food that I had in the house. And I thought that was, I think that's like cool. Yes, I think so too. And I think that's, you know, that's another aspect of creativity that I actually forgot about is, is the, the creation that happens in the mundane and the everyday. Right. Um, which is what am I having for breakfast? Right. Or how do I take this ground, you know, whatever tempeh or meat or whatever. And, and, you know, this leftover rice, like, what am I going to do with it? Um, you know, I think that that's also a form of creativity, you know, being stuck in this space where you're literally, you're coffined in it, but you're still finding different ways to do the same things. And I think that's, you know, like, you know, art tends to do for a lot of people, you know, be therapeutic. I think that's our own way of sort of using, you know, the art of survival for ourselves. Yep. Yeah. Um, so what have you been creating since we've been in this strange upside down Um, world? Right. So fortunately for me, I had signed on to do a 30-30 um, and then a 15-15. So I I wrote a lot of poems um, and I actually started working on a a third manuscript. Um, I sort of shoved the second one to the side for a little bit. Um, And a lot of it, you know, at first it, it was poems about sort of the reclamation of sexuality and the reclamation of um, body ownership, owning your body, you know, having it belong to you after maybe finally reconciling with a trauma. But then, you know, obviously the quarantine poems come in. So now I think it's just a lot of work about, you know, reclamation and loss and sort of navigating that in between. Mm. It's so interesting to be tackling those themes during a time of this like strange ongoing loss and fear of loss that's happening where you're so aware yeah. of massive amounts of loss loss on so many levels loss of our independence right loss of spaces that were some of us for some of us were the only safe spaces we had right um loss of i think you know if, if obviously loss in the in the sense of physically losing somebody who's passed away or who's sick or who's not here um i think loss of intimacy as well because even though you're forced to share space and time i think it can also create distance with people um you know loss of you know lots of things i mean you know i heard the uh the divorce rate is up right mm. um since this i just you know i think there's laws help you know happening on multiple levels and i think like everyone else i'm just trying to navigate that as well as um as well as uh document it too yeah i i think it's so interesting that you talked about loss of intimacy because it is so interesting how you can be smushed into a space with people oh yeah that your you know family or um friends you know roommates yeah. friends partners um yeah and you want to be especially during a time where everything feels 
extra uncertain and scary, you want to be like soaking that in and appreciating every moment. But the stress is so high that it can be really hard to be your best or even, you know, the it's it's hard to to be with people the way that you want to be, or at least for me, sometimes it's been hard for me to be with people the way that I want to be. Absolutely. I found more, I think, ability to like, um, what's that word? Be, not be intimate, but, but to, to be comfortable and to be calm is to share virtual space. If that makes any sense. Right. Um, as much as I hate zoom meetings and I do hate the work ones, I do love the zoom meetings I have with like my writers group and, you know, even with friends, um, because I think, you know, whether it's with family members or partners or, or roommates, I think if you're seeing your face 24-7 and you're bumping into each other and you're doing the same things and you're sharing the same meals, you you forget that that time you're spending is not quality time. That time you're just existing together. Um, and, you know, then we start taking things for granted and, you know, kind of forgetting, you know, to, you know, to like in any other you know, case where there's not a pandemic going on, really make sure that the time we're giving to someone or the attention we're giving to someone is is our fullest and not just being there physically. Yeah, and it, being able to check in with your the creative side of yourself really intentionally, being able to carve out space and time for that is being able to carve out space and time for being in solitude with yourself in a really nourishing way so that you can yes you can use some energy that you have you can create something that's really satisfying or beautiful to you or just helps you express something in a way that then you can go back to the people that you're living with and probably be a more patient person (laughs) a nicer person (laughs) because you've taken some time to like get in touch with yourself and let some stuff out and not let it out on them. Yeah. Just, just to echo that. I think, I think it's, you know, what, what, how are you using that time together? What kind of time are you spending? Um, what are you doing? You know, uh, when you're, when you're, when you have that allotted time and what are you doing when you, when you don't, you know, when it's the times that you normally would be doing something together. Right. Um, it's just very all it's very complicated and, and confusing and i think people are trying to do their best um at it right um but again you know i, I think what is it day 90 <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know yeah. i ironically i got sick right like 2 weeks before the actual like shutdown I got yeah. sick with like a fever and a cough. Um, oh, that's terrifying. But I don't think I had it because no one around me caught what I had. And I think someone probably would have. But I quarantined myself just in case. So I've been quarantined for like two extra weeks. So no. <laughs> like so I, I like... didn't go to work. I, you know, I was just home. I didn't go to the store. I didn't go to visit my, you know, my parents or anyone that I was supposed to go visit in that time. Um, So anyway, I, yeah, it's been like whatever the, whatever the number of days is plus then like 14 more days because I was sick. (laughs) Not to be, not to be like a topper, but. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, you win, you win. Well, I'm sorry. And I'm hope I'm, you're feeling better, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Okay, that's wonderful. I mean, you know, 
all you know we were talking a lot about creating and, and creating but there's also i think a lot of cases have been made for the anti-creation of this period right um and i think it comes from a lot of you know mental health workers psychiatrists therapists is you don't have to use this time to do anything but take care of yourself yeah. but survive but exist um, so I, I sort of like, I see saw back and forth, you know, there's moments like literally I'm, I'm talking to you right now and I'm working on, um, a new visual piece. Um, but you know, and, and, and as I'm talking to you, I'm kind of just like, well, it's okay for me to just sit also and talk. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have to, you know, sit here and do this thing because I want to, you know, be able to finish, you know, this, this thing that's in my head. Um, but I think we need to honor as much as, as we need to celebrate those who are able to create in these times. We also need to honor those that um, are not, you know, those that are really, really sick, not just from COVID, but from being alone or from being in situations, like I said before, that where they're not safe, you know, uh, survivors of domestic violence. Um, I think there's, there's something to also be said for just allowing yourself to be um, in these in this in this pandemic right now, um, and and I don't know I'm I'm sort of scared that with the reopening of places and you know um, people sort of thinking that because it's sunny outside Corona's over, yeah, um, yeah uh, I'm scared that the people that are that are one know better and two are not ready to sort of participate in a normal again are going to be shamed for it oh yeah no i i think all of that resonates with me i mean i've noticed that there are times when i feel so so much frenetic energy in me and like so much Mm. like i'll feel this anxiety and i'll have a moment say on like a saturday when i'm like okay should i do a bunch of laundry or should I record a podcast episode or should I, tr- should I exercise or should I call my grandma? Like, and <laughs> my to, grandma. The, to, oh. the, to the point you where always call grandma. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> to the point where I'm torn in so many directions about what I should be doing with like the free afternoon I have. Um, right. and like what order should I do it in or whatever. It's crazy. That sometimes I'll be like, maybe I just need to stop for a second and literally do nothing. Yes. And literally do it. nothing. Just sit on your couch, sort of like fall into it a little bit and like just spend too much time looking for something to watch on Netflix <laughs> and then go back and rewatch a season of whatever it is sort of yeah. that you've been obsessed with for the past 10 years, right? Which is probably Grey's Anatomy. I don't know if you're a Grey's person. I'm I not. never watched but Grey's, but neither. I did I did oh start watching Shit's Creek since this all started. Oh, so. yes. I've watched a couple of episodes. Uh, Cindy watches. We watched it. <laughs> She's a big fan. Um, and the episodes I've caught, I realize that I'm... Sort of like Moira, sort of like the person I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> um, <laughs> but really, it's with her son's fashion sense, I yep. think. Mm-hmm. He's great. He is. I wonder what he's doing in quarantine. Oh, my gosh. Well, they're, it's kind of funny because they – I mean, they're not quarantined, but they're in that little motel, and they're all, like, right. shoved in there together, and they can't really go anywhere outside the town, and they're not quarantined, but – you kind oh, of they're true. pretty stuck you know and they're like no really, they are they're forced to share a lot of uh time together so in a small space so like i that's, do feel a kinship 
That's so wild. I never thought of that. Well, it, again, it's not a show that I regularly watch. I've only caught, I mean, I've caught a, a good amount of episodes. Um, but you're right. I didn't even think about that. That's so wild. <laughs> but but even sometimes, and I definitely, I definitely have spent, you know, there's been a night where I'm like, that's it. I'm just going to watch six episodes of Shit's Creek and that's my night <laughs> and that's fine. Um, but But then there are times I literally am like, wait, I think I just need to take a nap or yeah. like sit here for a minute and not do literally anything anything and because then it'll kind of like come to me like I just have to breathe and take a minute you know or a couple yes, of minutes absolutely. um and I think kind of goes for creativity too like sometimes Instead of, I mean, there's definitely the argument for setting aside some time and every day, like, showing up and doing what you can do in that half hour or whatever. But then I think there's also times where that's where that unexpected creativity can emerge, too, is like, oh, wait, like, I've been getting really creative about how I'm cooking or, like, oh, wow, I'm being really creative about how I'm doing housework now because I don't have, I ran out of paper towels and, like, oh, I'm starting to use cloth napkins and, like, I'm starting to use rags and things like that where I would have just mindlessly used paper towels. And now I'm looking at, like, the things that I use more and how I can use them differently. And it's just interesting, like, what can emerge, you know? What what about, like, gardening? Are you, like, into that or birds? Okay, I (laughs) want to. I want to garden very much. Same. Um... I feel like I need a mentor, and I know people say you just need to, like, do it. Like, you just need to do it. Um, no, you don't. You need a mentor. But I feel like I need a mentor. What about you? Well, I certainly need a mentor because I realize that I have not reached the human experience patience level where I can dig deep enough and then follow instructions and not just toss a mound of seeds in a hole and cover it up like a dog. Um <laughs> So that's, if you were wondering what my strategy is, that's it. Um, I think what I have, I I think it's not so much the act of gardening um, as much as knowing what comes from it. Um, I've been really obsessed lately with flowers. um, And and I've started becoming obsessed ever since I, um, you know, my mom, my mom is obviously, I think all moms are good at gardening. Mm -hmm. I I think it's like what eventually like happens. So I'm I'm waiting for it to click in me. she she kind of planted my garden outside and I like love it and I look forward to it every year when it blooms um which was something so foreign to me you know growing up um only because I just never seemed interested in that stuff um and I think the way I've been expressing creativity is to sort of like take care of the plants I've also Mm -hmm. bought like five new plants named them talk and put them in direct sunlight like they're they're like part of my house now um so yeah I think we are finding creative ways of existing too almost like you know some people might call them coping mechanisms but I you know I guess as creative I want to call them like creative ways of existing like how are we moving breathing talking and being present in different ways you know who are we talking to who are we giving energy to um I think that's worth exploring and kind of finding ways to bring some beauty to whatever moment, like these small moments that definitely I think we've been more aware of the moments when we have some peace and like we're in our home and like 
everything's okay. And yes, you have that moment sure. where you're like, oh my God, thank God in this moment. And like, what can I do to create a little beauty while I'm here? Like for me, it's just, okay, I'm going to light some candles and I'm going to yes. um, put on some lotion and I'm going to listen to music and I'm going to look out the window at that bird or that tree or that sliver of moon or the sunset yes. right now. And just trying to like literally tap into all of my senses senses well yeah be being present um and it's funny because today i tried to do a meditation that a friend of mine recommended and i'm just so freaking bad at meditation like, I, I think just, everyone I is i think literally everyone no because i was watching all these like meditation lindas you know on zoom <laughs> killing the game and i'm just like like scratching my head and like I'm like checking work email that's when mm -hmm. I turned off the camera and I'm like cool I'm not built for this um but I, and and when I, I sat and thought about it later and I was like you know what I just don't meditate like they do like my meditation is like reading my meditation mm -hmm. is writing my meditation is sitting in my room and, and you know doing art stuff um, you know, my meditation is just standing outside and closing my eyes for 30 seconds while I walk my dog. Like, I just realized I meditate all fucking day. Yeah. And I don't even realize it, you know, so to sit and force my body to stay still when really that's not what it's, I guess, wanting to do. Um, you know, I, I don't know. But again, that's another creative way of existing is how exploring the ways in which, um, you know, like we use our bodies or we try to control our bodies and instead of like, how are we letting our bodies sort of move us mm. through this? That's so, I'm so glad you brought that up too, because something I've been thinking about a lot is how we do try to force ourselves into these very particular certain molds of what it means to like take care of yourself. Like what is self, mm -hmm. what does self-care look like? It looks like meditation, yoga, journaling, and you know, walking outside. Expensive or candles. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like, some people are, are, I think pretty quick to be like, no, that's not for me. I'm kind of the type that will really try to fit myself into molds <laughs> for yes. a long time before I'll accept, yeah, of um, that maybe it's not right for me, but I've right. really been just sitting with like, there is no like right or wrong way no. to no. take care of yourself and to, no. or to, yeah, to be mindful or to be to get present or to get into to get into like a flow. Um, there there really is no there's no perfect way to eat. There's no perfect no. way to exercise or move no. your body like Not at none all. of it. Like no matter what people tell you, there just isn't. <laughs> and no, there isn't. It's so like or or to be creative. There is no like mm -hmm. one way or right way to like be a writer or to be a painter or or to just to be a creative person. And I think like when you're really just with yourself all day, every day, um, I mean, we always are, but when right. you are, we're when extra you, now. Yeah. When you're like kind of really, um, if, I mean, I'm also aware that this situation is so different for people depending on what, what their right. circumstances are. I mean, like, exactly. I think Absolutely. about, I mean, there, there's a huge spectrum, but even just, I think about myself yeah. compared to my older sister who has four little kids and a husband and yeah. a dog and, you know, yeah. a house and I'm in an apartment, you know, like yeah. by myself. Yeah. Um, it's or like so even, different. Yeah. 
it is very different. Even uh, my dad was having dinner with us today, and his social club did like um like a, a not a fundraiser, but like a food fundraiser where they like cooked meals for um you know uh people in 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 crisis or in need right now in the in the area of Newark where the social club is. And my dad was like, "Oh my goodness, if you saw some of the poverty these people live in, you know." And I'm like, "These people are." in quarantine in you know in this in in sort of these states and you know it makes me get so angry at myself you know when i when i sort of you know lament sort of the conditions i uh, you know we're in working from home and and, you know having two healthy kids running around and driving crazy but um yeah like you know it makes me really think about what does this look like for other people right um and and just to touch on something you said before you know realizing there's no right or wrong way to do something um i'm hard pressed to believe there's no right or wrong period i mean of course we know what right and wrong is in terms of we don't kill people we don't harm people we don't harm ourselves you know but i mean like in the idea of you know us attaching emotions to the idea of right and wrong you know things just are um and i think that you know having that binary has become very dangerous for us um in the sense of of creativity like what is you know what is the right way to be taking care of ourselves what is the right way to be creating something there's no like you said there's no way it's just the way that works for us and again as long as we're not harming anybody it just is yeah and i think I think that's the thing we can get so caught up in the stories about what it means to what does it mean that I can't meditate? What does it mean about me? Right? Like I must just be like my storyline because I've I've struggled with you know meditation too. It's like I'm oh, just yeah. I have no discipline. I am I'm hopeless. Yeah, whatever the storyline is, it's like yeah, yeah, you know I don't know. We tell ourselves a lot of stories that can just make us feel really bad when we could be yeah. spending that time well, putting these our are energy. public narratives though these yes. are these are learned yeah. narratives yeah. right um and you just made me feel so better about the meditation thing because i'm like hearing myself and i'm like why why did i just do a whole thing today while i was getting pissed that i couldn't meditate like that's okay man like it's okay you yeah. know like where did these voices come from and obviously we know these are vo- society's voices in yeah. our head um and you know quarantine's helping us to, to think about these things and to have these sort of hard conversations with ourselves and with each other yeah and i just released an episode with a yoga teacher named kai muhammad and we talked about having difficult conversations and how you know she as a yoga teacher sees how the yoga practice can help you learn to be with difficult things like mm, you know when okay. you're in a challenging pose it can help you kind of learn how to how to be with that but she also sit with it yeah um but she also talks to you know she really gets to know the people in her classes and like creates community and she has conversations about especially now she was saying that she's teaching virtually from home she has more freedom to actually talk about what's going on in the world and get more political you know, oh, nice. get more, um, have a platform. Yeah. Sorts. And, and have yeah. these conversations. And like, I think it's a really good, like when you don't attach such a story or think, or think so in such dualistic terms, you can actually be present with what's true or real about you in a given moment and then make a choice rather than just feel bad and then try to stop feeling bad by whatever means necessary. And, mm-hmm. 
I think about even like today, waking up this morning and seeing the video of, um, what's her name? Amy Cooper? What was her name? Central Park Karen. Central Park Karen, yeah. I don't remember her actual name. <laughs> I'm um, laughing with that. Uh, yeah, Amy Cooper, you're right. Okay. You're right, absolutely. Um, no. But, you know, and I just found myself thinking, like, you know, obviously, if you're paying attention, that's not surprising at all, right? Right, um, right. And instead of just being like, wow, what a horrible person she is, like, I at dinner was talking to my boyfriend, Martin, and I was like, I'm trying to, like, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about times when I have been a Karen, whether explicitly or just in my own mind. Like, absolutely, absolutely. Because it's just really unhelpful if we are only dualistically like, that was a bad racist lady, you know, like, she's the worst. And like, yeah, she sucks. But also, like, racism is in us and we are swimming in it all the time. So, there like as a white woman there's no way I've never maybe not to that degree or I haven't been you know like maybe not like that but if I don't like see that in myself at all then I'm just not being honest or paying attention I I I thank you for for sort of talking about this um yes absolutely um I just had a discussion with a few friends I think it was Sunday night or Monday night Monday night um, about what do we do with cancel culture? What do we do with, um, <clears throat> you know, Karens? You know, and I, we're using Karens as, you know, terroristic white women specifically, right? right? In this case, borrowing this this term terrorist white woman from um, Amanda Sayalis, who um, posted a whole video about it. And I, I recommend you guys check it out. Um, as, you know, white women specifically, who, because of their internalized racism, um, and their unchecked privilege don't realize that they are literally threatening black lives when they do things like call the cops on or absolutely do realize, different. right? Or do realize, but don't give a fuck, yeah. you know? Um, and uh, I, I, I think that in cases like this, I do believe she should have been fired. I do believe the dog should be taken away because she was ready to kill her dog in order to, you know, sort of lay her stake down on, 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 I'm trying to get this man, this black man, arrested or possibly even worse. Who knows, right? She knew very well what was going to happen, you know, um, had she made these accusations like that or what could potentially happen. Um, But I think it's important that – and I think that's one of the things that quarantine has brought us is time to sit with these – these, these videos that really are reflections of ourselves and help us to check our own shit, right? How are we Karens, right? What kind of Karen is, <laughs> this is gonna sound funny, but <laughs> what kind of Karen-like things are we doing? You know, uh, in what ways are we Karening that we can change, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and, and really call to task, you know, white men and, and you know, sort of people from, from all over and just say, you know, how do we dismantle the system? Um, how do, how do we acknowledge the ways that we are like Amy Cooper and ways that we are not? And how do we, you know, what can we do in our daily lives to be part of um, a reform system, right? To bring about justice and not just be the silent, um, you know, the silent allies, like silent allyship is bullshit. Um, and, and I think we just, we all need to do better. And, you know, there are so many Amy Coopers, you know, uh, um, around us, 
And like you said, what, you know, I'm sure at some, on some level I've been maybe not like that. I mean, I, I, I know I certainly haven't. Um, and I, you know, I don't, I don't believe you have either, but you know, of course we have internal, we even have internalized misogyny, you know, right. like how many times do, do I think of things that, you know, if I, you know, my daughter's the other day were rolling their shirts up and like walking around like with the tank top almost or, or to a cutoff. And, you know, I was like, roll your stomach down. You don't need to be showing your stomach. And in my head, I'm like, why am I doing that? Like, what have I learned in my own head mm. that's made me make them feel like showing their skin and showing their body is a bad thing, you know? And that's the thing. So, I think it yeah. takes creativity. It takes imagination to be able to imagine a different way for yourself to imagine that it's possible for you to okay like to notice and instead of just like beating up on yourself to be like okay like I just noticed that and now I can like dig into it a little bit and I can choose something different and I think kind of also something you touched on I also think it takes some creative thinking and you know like skillful a skillful mind to think on okay like where it in moments when I've you know if I've had like a Karen moment you know again not Mm -hmm. not that but (laughs) but a moment like where is that coming from the conversations we all need to have with each other I think are uncomfortable but they need to be had you know um and it's sitting in that discomfort and saying you know what I'm part of a fucked up system and I fucked up you know and then doing better you know, I think that's that's how you that's how you you make change. That's how you affect change. You know, I was really big on cancel culture, um, and I can't say that you know um, I still believe in that because I, I think it's like prison, right? Um, like reform. If you don't help someone be the best version of themselves, so that they're not the best version when they're not the best versions then what are you really doing but letting them sit with the worst parts of themselves Mm -hmm. and letting that sort of just exist yeah there's a really fascinating episode of um the invisibilia podcast about cancel culture and um it just raises a lot of questions like it doesn't really come to any answers it just kind of like explores I it's, it was a couple of years ago but and I think that's the best kind of conversation yeah. is the one that just asks questions yeah right? um it's it's really interesting I'll like I'll send you a link if you're interested in yes, it yes please it was yeah it was interesting but anyway I realized we've gone on like such a different track but we were talking about like Pinterest moms and oh wow <laughs> see look at that that was quite a leap (laughs) or was it I don't know (laughs) um no it was interest is great um yeah it's I think the key here is just maybe maybe that's the most creative part of this whole tragedy um and I call it a tragedy because we've lost over a hundred thousand people and you know the fact that we're not talking about that more often you know I don't know what that really is saying about us anymore or um, what it is saying about us, rather. Um, but but yeah, uh, I th- I think the 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 maybe the greatest and saddest and hardest part of this whole thing um, is that we are spending so much time with ourselves, you know, and getting to know ourselves. And I think this is a good opportunity to do a lot of that work, you know. Yeah, to notice where you are still, to notice places in you that you're like, oh, okay, there's still some stuff there for me to start oh, through. Yeah. And, oh, that's an area I would like to grow on. And, 
Um, but it just takes so much. It feels so counterintuitive to me to be compassionate yeah. for those things to myself. But yeah. it's kind of what you're saying, I think, with with like cancel culture. And yeah. it's the same thing. Like if you just cancel yourself every time you make a mistake, oh, where yeah, does no. that leave you? It doesn't. No. There's nowhere to go now. And you can't be better and you can't do better because you've just decided that you're the worst and that's it. So yeah. You know, and life is just a set of mistakes. And ultimately, I think, um, you know, it's you can't you don't know who you are by doing the right things all the time. Right. Um, so I think I think it affords us, you know, I'm still waiting for Rachel Dolezal to just be like, damn, you know, I fucked up bad, guys. Like, <laughs> But like, it's not happening. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I have canceled her. But I, you know, like she's had a lot. She's had enough time. Um but, but yeah, I think, I think this, you know, and whether you're creating or not, whatever that means to you, um, that's okay. If you are, that's amazing. Um, I, you know, I think, I think what it comes down to is, you know, doing the work, but also, you know, being kind to ourselves. And I think what you just said about, you know, you don't, I, I think you said something like you don't become who you are by doing the right, doing the thing right all the thing, time. things. It's yeah. the same thing with creating anything like you, yes. you don't get better or you don't you don't come to anything more interesting or beautiful by doing it right all the time. Like and that's not what creativity is. There isn't like a right. You just keep like learning stuff and trying things and seeing what feels like it works and what doesn't and just doing it. But that can be such an obstacle, I think, um, thinking that you need to know more or you need to do it right or whatever before you even start yeah and you know I think that's something that's ingrained in us also as children you know doing things the right way learning how to do things the right way um yeah I think that's important but I think it's also important for us to learn things on our own you know if someone's constantly showing us how to do something then we don't really ever figure out what's right for us we just figure out what's right for them and also like I've been practicing playing guitar and oh, I know I've seen you're pretty <laughs> badass at it. I'm pretty bad at it, but the bad thing ass. is, <laughs> I said bad ass. <laughs> no, I heard you, but I was just correcting. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> no, so, and I, you know, I took like maybe I've wanted to play guitar forever, like forever. And finally, this fall, I saw that the community center near me was having some beginner classes, and I was like, oh, these are really cool. affordable. And my boyfriend, Martin, gave me an old guitar that had been sitting in his house for like 10 years. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have a guitar. Awesome. And of course, I go to this class and it's like mainly uh, retired men, which is like fine, except for the fact that the teacher, who was also an older man, um, definitely like a boys club. <laughs> singled me out right away. Like in the first class, called me his assistant, asked me to you know, hold things up for the class and... Are you fucking kidding? Things like that. Infantilized you. Yeah. Um, And we just, like, pay me a lot of attention, talk about, you know, like, I... I, It was not the most comfortable um, experience. Yeah, and and I don't know if I can't not cancel him. (laughs) It wasn't... It was one of those things where it was like, okay, there's nothing that's, like, I'm going to report this person, but it's enough that I feel microaggressions, right? Yeah. I just feel really uncomfortable. I don't feel like excited to come anymore, super open to learning. Um, 
And he also pointed out, which is fair, this is just true. He was like, well, your guitar is like really not staying in tune. And if you keep practicing with that one, you're going to like, you know, it's going to mess up your ear. You should really get a new guitar. And um, oh, and that's when he offered to come guitar shopping with me um, Ooh, or to take okay. me guitar shopping, which I declined. But anyway, um, so for a while, I just kind of like put it down and was like, I don't know, like, I'm not good at this. This guitar isn't good enough. Like, the lessons are over and um, I need to do it right. Like, I need to like, I don't know. Like, I can't just like start learning chords to like play some songs. Like, I really need to like start from the basics and like learn it all right, you know? And then like the quarantine thing started and I was like, I literally just have this guitar sitting here and I could leave it in the corner and never touch it. Or I could just like learn how to play on this like slightly out of tune kind of, you know, like I could just strum some songs and like make myself happy and just get to know the guitar a little bit better than I did before. Oh, I'm so glad you did that. So I'm so glad. You know, it's like you could get hung up on not doing it right and just leave it in the corner gathering dust or just like try it, (laughs) you know? Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of that discomfort, though, and that sort of insecurity also came from having a male chauvinist uh, as a teacher. (laughs) Um, But, you know, whatever. Um, I'm 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 I love that. I love that you said I'm going to learn this on my own terms, because I think, again, that sort of fits the theme of our talk today you know, everything kind of being on our own terms, um, you know, and, and then that just ties into, you know, learning about yourself and doing your own work to, you know, to clean up your bullshit. Yeah. And a lot of it was like, I wrote a post about this, but in my Instagram stories, but I was like, I'm just, I, I did have this moment where I was like, I'm just literally getting to know this guitar. Like I would a person or a friend and yes, I'm just, I saw that. you know, I'm just like playing. It's not a big deal. Like this isn't a test. This isn't like there's no deadline. There's no urgency. Like I feel this sense of urgency so much of the time. And I literally have to stop myself and be like, there is no urgency. Like, and isn't it like anxiety inducing when that, you know, when, um, when you have that and like lately, do you feel less anxiety or do you feel more? With that, in particular, to, like, learning the guitar. Yeah, I mean, way less when I'm just, like, there's no urgency. Yeah. Especially in this time when there are so many things that actually are urgent. Yes. (laughs) The perspective it gives you on doing something fun, doing something that's just for you, is, like, oh, there are things that are very urgent and very scary and very serious um, and very, you know, time sensitive. And then there are things that are not. Yeah. And this is not. <laughs> this is not. Um, but it's a beautiful thing, and I'm glad you're doing it. Um, and and I have faith that you can teach yourself. Thank you. And I'll probably like, you know, I think it's good to support a local artist who teaches, you know, and to learn from. And I'll probably do that for at some sure point too. But like, why not just let myself get to know it and get excited and have fun? And I can always do more down the line too. You know, and you'll be all the better for it. Yeah. But what about you? Like, what are you finding? What are some challenges that you're facing when you're creating right now? Um, I think it's sort of, the you know, a lot of, not a lot of, my work tends to, my artwork um, and, and my writing, all of my work tends to really be super vulnerable and super personal. Um, so I feel like there are things that I don't really know how to articulate yet. And they're sort of 
getting articulated um, for me through the work. And, you know, it's, it's hard to sort of, again, see, see these creations as mirrors. Um, so I guess just looking at the truth of things and seeing it manifested in the work and sitting with that, you know, that discomfort, which again, you know, all ties back into what we were talking about, you know, the discomfort and, and sitting with that. Yeah, I think that's pretty common for people to feel like afraid of what they might uncover or discover if they really sit down and like open themselves up and right journal and there's or... definitely not enough distraction you know mm-hmm. um i mean there is but there isn't so you know you're literally there's nowhere to turn but look to look at yourself and to look at this thing um so it's sort of a forced embrace of the the chaos i think yeah and i mean there are like there are always still ways to numb out or you know distract yourself um, I think in the situation that we're in, like, it does force you to deal with a, a lot of things because you literally have to. And like, for some people, their coping mechanisms have been taken away. But it oh, is yes, interesting for, sure. for those who their coping mechanism is to stay home and maybe numb out with substances of some kind or I mean, this can right. it's just like such a hard time. Um, yes, absolutely. Because especially if that person's living on their own and there's no one to like pull them out um there's nothing breaking that up I mean yeah it can still be really hard that's why I think we need to lead with compassion in everything we do yeah yeah I'm so glad we got to talk today I know me too thank you I'm sorry. I know. I know. Maybe this is not like appropriate for the podcast, but I feel like this was sort of a therapy session. <laughs> like, I should be asking you, like, what's my copay right now? No, it's so um, funny. Someone said that uh, the se- not the last interview I did, but the one before that, and I was like, I kind of just want every episode to be like a therapy session. Um, yeah, and and you know what? That shouldn't even be a diss because I love my therapist. Shout out to Maria, um, and <laughs> and um, yeah. But I think that the best conversations are the ones that heal parts of you. And I definitely feel like a little chunk of me feels like there is like some bomb on it. Thank you. I'm not gonna say we're we're in this together because we are, but we're all in different levels. Yeah. Um. So you know, obviously. Um, love to the people that are in really really tough spots but um you know I think you know where if you asked me a month ago you know do you have any hope for the future I would have told you no absolutely not Mm. but um a, a very scared person inside me does feel like there is hope and I think you know it'll be a different world when it you know resumes again but it's nothing we can't handle Mm. That's a good note to end on. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, it is. It is a good one. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you, Victoria. And thank and you I for can't... your podcast. They're so great. I miss listening to them at work. Oh. Um, they were like my, you know, I'd, I'd give people mean faces every time they'd walk in and interrupt, <laughs> which is not very nice, especially considering the material you're talking about. But, you know, <laughs> allow right. one, one mean look a day. <laughs> Thank you, and I can't wait to see all the stuff that you're creating, too. I mean, I've seen some of the collages. They're beautiful, and I can't wait to read more poems, and yeah, keep doing it. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Perennials Podcast. I'm Victoria Russell. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave a review on iTunes. It really helps other people to find the show. You can follow along on Instagram at Perennials Podcast, and feel free to send me an email at perennialspodcast at gmail.com. The song you're hearing now is I Orbit the Moon by Paul Finn.